discover your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, zooming into your ears, right into your ears. I can't talk. Guys, we're off to a bad start. You're blah, blah, blah. Words. Yeah, I know. It's okay. I have tried to nap twice today and failed both times. So I'm kind of tired and I'm kind of grumpy, and we're going to do a podcast. It's going to be fantastic. But I'm not grumpy about the fridge wholesale liquor. It makes me happy. In fact, I got an alert that they're having a wine sale. I don't drink wine. But if you do, go to the fridge right now. I hope they alert me when they are having a Pacifico sale or a Citron sale or ooh, a bourbon Speaking sale. of sales. Yeah. Speaking of sales fits. Oh. You know what else is having a sale? Uh, us. Us. We're having a sale. Look, I'm sure the fridge sale is nice, but it's not 50% off. That's what we're doing at GoPowerCat.com right now. Football season's going, the cats are rolling, and you're not a GoPowerCat subscriber. Well, maybe you are, but maybe someone else listening isn't. Remedy that problem right now. Click the green join button. Fill it out. Become a member. 50% off an annual subscription. It'll make you happy. And you get asked questions on the podcast. And you get asked questions on the podcast. What would there's I do a lot of you. There's a lot of lurkers on our podcast. We have a lot more listeners than we have subs. Uh-huh. So come, come and ask us a question. Sometimes Sign I'm up. surprised at how many people listen to my mental wanderings. Yeah, you know, the post-game podcast has been crushing it. It's been our, our largest listenership. This year, and all of a sudden, the pregame podcast for KU shot up there. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But this one does fine. And I think it's uh, not doing as well as it has in the past because Ryan Gilbert cusses a lot. And I think he offends people when he says bad words. That's all I know. I'll never say a bad word about Tanners or the Hilo. They're our segment sponsors. I stopped giving them a segment, and I just mentioned them both at the same time now because that's how lazy I've become. Guys, the home office is not coming along quite as well as I had hoped. What's wrong? Well, it's just... uh, My wife's involved. That's what's Uh, wrong here. Oh, Oh, boy. I don't know. So we started hanging up artwork, you know, the stuff from the studios. Mm -hmm. And we have Rocky. Rocky... Our, our wildcat, the stuffed bobcat. And I want Rocky in the background of my little corner set I'm doing for my daily deliveries. So that means he would hang lower on the wall than Rebecca would prefer. And I'm like, Becky, this is not, you're trying to design the room. I'm trying to design a backdrop for video. She goes, but he needs to be higher. No, he doesn't. I, I don't know if she's afraid the dogs are going to attack Rocky. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but we're we're currently in impasse right now. And plus, I need to get some furniture down there, and I can't do that. I am going to make a run to the storage unit after this because the weather outside is wonderful. It's perfect to go to a storage unit. <laughs> God. Who made it winter? Why is it winter? Zach, what's the weather going to be in Morgantown this weekend for the game? I haven't checked. Oh, my God. Hold on. Hey, I sit inside now. I sit inside. Alexa. Oh, there's the dogs. Good. Perfect timing. (laughs) Alexa, what's the weather like uh, this weekend in Morgantown, West Virginia? In Morgantown, West Virginia for this weekend, expect showers on Friday with sunny skies on Saturday. Expect showers returning Sunday. Daytime highs will range between 48 and 56 degrees Fahrenheit. There we go. It's gonna be fall. I'm gonna sit inside now. Like I don't, I don't care about the weather anymore. I just don't. Usually, I'd bring, you know, like that would be a, that would be full winter gear for me. Are you uh, missing the sidelines? Yeah, a little bit. You're doing a really good job of what you're doing. But also, 
but also like sitting inside the game goes by so much faster when you're like working, like actually updating a live story. Yeah. Like, like the games flies by when you're on the sideline, it takes so long. You know, I love last year when they brought up the, the timeout clock on the sidelines. Cause you, you'd actually, it give you a sense of time to know, Hey, here's how much time you have to check your phone or do whatever, just, you know, until play returns, right. you know, so then I'd sit on my phone trying to get on Twitter and it half the time it wouldn't work just because I'm on the field and out of Wi-Fi range. So it's nice being able to be plugged in with everything. There you go. Zach is contained in a box this year. I just want to warn everyone that my dogs are possessed today and I'm not going to edit out the barking. I'm just not. I've had it. They've been barking at everything. Fort Riley shelling, and it's freaking them out. So that's going to be it. And we're just going to have barking. We're going to have podcast answers from questions from Wabash Station. And Gills is going to get us started by reading those questions right now. Not so fast. Oh, no. Here we go. We got the predictions thread from the KU game. Jay Boland, PSU. You're one point off from that 55-14. You put 55-13. to So quick shout-out to you. I know Fitz doesn't like when I ramble about these things, but I care about you as the listener, so you're welcome. I just want to know why he didn't get it right. You know? (laughs) He needs to do better. He needs to tighten up his game a little bit. Didn't give KU enough credit. Mm. You know? He underestimated that powerful KU offense. Yeah, that powerful KU offense. Okay, anyhow, Gills, let's go. All righty. First question of the podcast from TDE67. Is it safe to say that Kleiman is not taking the KU rivalry for granted? No. No, he's bought all in, hadn't he? And when we stop and think about it, they didn't they have rivals at North Dakota State. Um, you know, North Dakota's rival, but they've been in a different league until I think it was this year they rejoined the Valley or whatever. I'm not up on my Missouri Valley history. South Dakota State's kind of their rival, but you know, I don't know. It's it's a different state, for God's sakes. That this uh you know, this is in state pride. So I'm I'm glad he's adopted it. I'm glad he's done an incredible job of morphing his style into the style that he inherited from Bill Snyder and yeah, the Sunflower Showdown is important to him. Hopefully it's important enough where he'll seek a different name for the Sunflower Showdown. What would you suggest if you don't like the name? I'm now going with the territorial skirmish. I like that. It, it kind of has something cool about it, the territorial skirmish. Or, as someone suggests on Twitter, the uh, the chili and cinnamon rolls clash. Gills, have you had, ever had chili and cinnamon rolls? I have, actually. It's a Kansas thing. It's a very strange. You ask people around the country, and they're like, what? It's a Kansas thing. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's always what I've thought. I've always been confused by it, but they'd serve it at lunches, so I would have it. Oh, I didn't know that. Like at school lunches? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, back in Joko, you know how, how things were. Oh, they're, so I'm they're trying sure. to pretend I'm... that they're, you know, <laughs> Western Kansas kind of people there in Joko. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's been a school lunch in Manhattan. Huh. I don't remember I'm having a school sure. lunch. I don't, of course, I, I went uh, I went to school back when they served us dirt for lunch because everyone mm. was so poor. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't remember having it. I remember having cinnamon rolls because in junior high, you know how things just put an impression on your brain? They'd cook the cinnamon rolls, and the kitchen was right below some of the classrooms, and it just smelled like cinnamon rolls. Anyhow, yeah, climbing, mm. climbing good about uh, kicking keys. But Yeah, back to the, the actual back, question. Back to yeah. the podcast. Back to the, back to the <laughs> podcast here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really good to see, and I think that, him taking this rivalry as seriously as he does, I think it just says how similar he is to Bill Snyder. You know, up in North Dakota State, you know, you're not able to get, you know, for as successful as he was, you know, it's not like he can go out and just get, you know, four and five stars at North Dakota State. He had to win with guys that, you know, kind of had, he kind of had to take that similar mold to build build guys up like Bill Snyder. So I think that this is just kind of another layer of climbing really fitting in and saying, hey, I'm, I'm really a lot like the guy I replaced. And, you know, I, I think that under Snyder, those last few years, there was kind of some slip ups in those games in OK State won, but a lot of them were a lot closer. 
than you'd, you'd want in the last two years, you know, being so thorough and so dominant, I think it just says, Hey, this is, you know, I mean, even go back to the trophy. He puts the trophy in the locker room, just like Snyder did during the week of the game. I mean, it's important. And, you know, maybe that's some of the guys, you know, before he came here saying, Hey, you know, this is what we've done. We put this in the locker room. You know, we care about this. You know, I think it's, it's both here. I think the players care too. You know, there's a lot of Kansas kids and they want to see, you know, whether they were K-State or KU fans, you know, you know, that whole argument, you know, from last week. But, you know, I think that these guys want to beat their in-state rival. And I think that that climate absolutely takes it seriously. And I think that I don't see the streak ending anytime soon. I'll say that. Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88. How much of the penalties and slow starts are attributed to being amped up for a rivalry game? Oh, I don't know. I just think they were sloppy and a couple of calls were borderline and it, uh, I'm not reading too much into it. I, I think they'll clean that up. I think it was just kind of an aberration. I, at least I hope. That was ugly. I think, oh. I think it's just a continuation of the penalties we've seen this whole year. This team has been heavily penalized. Lots of false starts on that offensive line. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Fitz, a couple of those calls in that first quarter were borderline. I mean, they played the second and third quarter, they played penalty free football. We need more of that. You know, they were actually, you know, when the starters were out there after that first quarter, you know, it was, they sorted themselves out and that was good. Need more of that. But man, this team is, this team has committed a lot of penalties, a lot of stupid penalties early on, you know, some late hits, some unnecessary roughnesses, um, you know, just dumb, stupid mistakes, you know. The, at least the borderline ones, like the hold and and the the block that Bradley Moore had, you know, at least you can kind of attribute those to, hey, you know, it's a football play. Yes, it's a mistake, but it's not a stupid mistake, I guess. You know, something that's not completely, you know, out of you know in your control. But um, you know, hopefully that next week against West Virginia, I think if they can go, you know, fewer than I don't know four, three or four penalties. The whole game, I think that's going to be, a, you know, a positive. Um, but, I mean, I think it's just the, this whole season has been frustrating to me with, with how the penalties have gone. You're coming in a lot of emotions, adrenaline for a rivalry game. I mean, that's kind of maybe to be expected when you're trying to make the big play. This is, you know, for a lot of these guys, we'll talk about the K, the Kansas players. Um they want to go out and make that play because the game, you know, might mean a little bit more to them. So once they got that lead, got a little more comfortable out there, could calm down. Um, that's when, obviously, like you said, Zach, the penalties kind of went away. So I, I think uh, the uh, the amped upness of of this team definitely uh, attributes to the penalties for sure. I'm sorry, was that amped upness? I like it. Amped upness, you like that? I like it. Next question from Jay Bowl into PSU. Who fits, as you know, he was the one. I'm a big fan of Jay Bolins. Uh, I just want him to really lock in on his prediction game. I mean, <laughs> I I'm not going to compromise on my on on my belief that Jay Bolins should be hitting the score right every week, every week. Go ahead. There we go. He wants to know the stat came out that K State had so many more players from Kansas on their roster than KU. Is this from K State just recruiting the state more? having more success lately or some other factor? Well, a lot of it is the previous coaching staff, David Beatty, didn't really try to recruit Kansas very much. He'd go try to pick off those some good kids. But if you look back through time, the number of Kansas kids that have come to K-State not on scholarship or just area kids. I mean, I always like to throw, you know, the metro area of Kansas City into that. Well, Philip Burks is a perfect example. He was a walk-on, came from Lee Summit, and now he's a star. It just goes on and on and on. I mean, the difference in the game were special teams. Okay? Who was on the special teams units? A bunch of those kids. Brock Monty, Ross Elder, Ryan Hennington. Tyler Burns is now back on scholarship, but he had to walk back onto the team. He's out of Wichita. I, I mean, Philip Brooks, Kansas City area, those are the kids that beat KU. For the most part, the reason K-State blew out KU were a bunch of walk-ons from Kansas and Kansas City who take special teams extremely serious. And, you know, if if you're not recruiting from home, if you're not the 
the program that the kids grow up wanting to go to, you're in big trouble. KU's in big trouble. K-State's getting uh, not all of them. They certainly need to lock down the borders better, but that'll come. But they are getting a lot of borderline kids who can play at this level once they mature into it. And it's making a big difference between these two programs. It's shameful that KU doesn't care more about Kansas kids. Sammy Wheeler is another uh, name you could throw yeah. in there. Someone who, you know, that game meant a lot to him being from KC. Yeah. I mean, you just go down the list. There's just tons and tons of Kansas kids. I think the number was 33 to 6 in participation with Kansas kids. So that doesn't even count the KC Metro kids. It's just yeah. incredible. It's ridiculous. You got to remember, though, a lot of those kids, I mean, those, they did, they're older. They've played under Snyder. You know, they were Snyder guys. It'll be interesting to see how much. Chris Kleiman puts an emphasis on, on getting these Kansas kids. I think he will. I think that, I think that K-State, I I really think that K-State's going to compete a lot better with those top tier kids. You know, those top 10 kids that, you know, they go to Iowa state or they go to Ohio state, you know, the Turner Corcoran's, you know, the Kai Thomas's, you know, the guys that, that are truly top 10 in the state that they might've given K-State a little bit of a look, but I think that now, under climb. And I think that K-State's going to be a lot more competitive with those types of kids. Absolutely. So hopefully, hopefully they improve there, but also they keep up, you know, having that walk on tradition, having, you know, just going out in your state and finding the guys that, yeah, you can play at the, the power five level. You need to be on a team and why not our team? Yeah, I agree. There we go. Next question from exhausted nihilist, true or false blocking punts, is a rookie move. Why block them when you can return them for <laughs> glorious touchdowns? Well, it's kind of funny is is blocking punts got really difficult when they went to the three-man wedge. Yeah. And now K-State's making it look easy. I think uh, I think they've cracked the code. I think Stanton Weber got the code and, and solved it because he started blocking punts. Now people are paranoid about that. Okay, we'll just go return them now. It's it's incredible. It, what they're doing right now is incredible. It's the special teams right now are as good or better than they ever have been. Think about that statement. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, they re- they really are <laughs> as good or better than they've ever been. And it's crazy to see that you know, they go however many straight games they went blocking a punt. They don't block one this time, but they take two back. I mean, it's it's crazy to see them have so much success on special teams. And I think it'd be interesting to see how, at what point did teams just say, we're better off going for it on fourth down based on the field position. I mean, at some point, you know, maybe it's, you know, the 50 yard line, you got to say, Hey, if we don't get this and we throw an incomplete pass, they get a start on the 50 instead of them kicking off to us or them starting on the 25, you know, I mean, I think that it's going to affect some strategy here the rest of the season. You'd think, you know, that there's, there's some, there's, you know, you got to think about what you want to do with the football on fourth down. If you're an opponent with how dangerous Brooks is and how dangerous, you know, them being able to block a punt is because they're not afraid to go for it. One of the things that happens uh, when you start getting returns and we saw it in the KU game is the punters try to kick it out of bounds, which uh, needs to be practiced. And the thing about it is, if your coverage team knows that the punter is kicking it out of bounds, they're probably not covering with the same amount of gusto as you would if you know they've got a return on. And instead of kicking it out of bounds, the second one, he kicked it right down the middle of the field, low and straight to Phillip Brooks, and he was gone again. That's what happens. I mean, it happened back in the day to Mac Brown. He thought his punter was going to kick it out of bounds. Everyone thought his punter was kicking out of bounds. Instead, he kicked it right down the middle of the field by accident, shanked it down the middle of the field, essentially, and there goes a return. It's it's not easy to get around this, as, as you would think, unless you're absolutely going to do what Zach said. Just surrender the ball at the point of the line of scrimmage or just kick it out of bounds so blatantly you're getting 10, 15, maybe 20-yard punts. I think the best way to combat it if you're an opponent is have your, your third string quarterback, a 17 year old, you know, Daniels, he had the best punt of the game yeah. for KU. So, I mean, I mean, what else can you do? So 
That was impressive. It was. That's really not a bad plan at all. Just pooch punt that thing down there, and we solved it. We solved it. That's it. Hope nobody's listening to this podcast from West Virginia. Next question from Email Wildcat82. Please explain why I have such a calm, confident feeling about our freshman QB. How cool is it that Will Howard will still be a freshman next year? That's because he's cool and calm. He he just doesn't look like he gets rattled. Um, I'm just so impressed by him. You know, more more his demeanor than his play. He was pretty good in the third quarter. You know, the whole offense, not just him, was really struggling in that first half. But he's a keeper. I I think he's going to take the program places over the course of his career. Or if someone can beat him out, then that says something about that person. But let's see how much better he gets this year. Let's see how he does at West Virginia. And then he's got Oklahoma State. And that those are back-to-back pretty darn good defenses. And we'll see how he how he pans out over these next couple games. And if K-State can get wins, I might nominate him for president. That's that's how far I'm going to go. I'm going to write him wow. in. I'm gonna, if he wins on Saturday, I'll write in Will Howard. Even though he's not old enough <laughs> to serve, I think he'd be he'd be a very good president. Well, and then the paper will call you out. They'll they'll say all the the, the write in votes in Riley County, so we'll know it was you. Dang it! Or maybe I'll do it, and then I'll claim it was you. Oh, frame! Then I just then I just announce myself. So now you know that plan. Oh, maybe Gills will will get us here. He's going back to the Joko to vote. Oh, did you write in? I mean, did you get a? Do you, are you going back? Mm, you're, you're not going to vote, oh, are you? Uh, you. Are correct. Hopefully nobody hates me. Oh, man. I hope you like living in Cuba. Go ahead and move. Have you guys voted yet? Nope. I I just got to say this. I don't understand why people are standing in line for five hours to vote early. You know, if I roll up and the line's down the block, I'm not stopping to vote early. I'll come back tomorrow or the day after. It's crazy how long these lines are. Don't know. I don't know. It's just easier for me to vote on election day at three o'clock in the afternoon. I know. For me, you know, it takes two minutes. I've never had a problem standing in line more than five minutes. Last question of the first half from Anonymous. Uh, Welcome to the website. Thank you so much for your question, but go ahead and pick a name for us next time so we know how to properly address you. Is it an anon? Yeah, I just put, I didn't want to write out all the numbers. Oh. It's an anon account, so Fitz, you're gonna have to get creative on. Uh, okay, <laughs> food related, food related <laughs> usernames. Okay, bring me on the question. They're gonna earn their name right here, right now. All righty. Who is the best player on our offense outside of Deuce Vaughn? Uh Barley Moore, I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can argue in Noah Johnson. All of you got beat pretty bad on a block. Uh, yeah, I, I'd go. Yeah, Briley. Yeah. I think Briley's big time. Plus, it's got to be Taylor Brat just named his son Briley. What's that say? Hmm. <laughs> Briley. Yeah, Briley. I think I think it's probably more hands down until Will Howard. I don't want to discount Will Howard. I think he's good, but you know he needs some more experience. Maybe by the end of the year, Will Howard could be you know the best player outside of Deuce Vaughn. But right now. I mean, Briley Moore's the staple catch, pass catcher, I guess, as far as someone that is technically playing a position that regularly catches passes outside of blocking. But, I mean, Deuce Vaughn, also a pass catcher, but not a wide receiver. So maybe, you know, until Will Howard gets better, you know, it's not going to be a wide receiver because he's going to need a wide receiver to get better too. So I think it's Briley Moore, you know, until, until somebody steps up. At this point in time, you know, I'm with you guys. It's it's Bradley Moore, but Howard, as well as Malik Knowles, we saw what they tried to do with him last year. I know he hasn't performed well at all this year, but he's got a high ceiling. If he can get, you know, things uh, coming together, then there's a chance that one of, you know, either Howard or Knowles could emerge as the best player. But right now it's it's got to be Mr. Bradley Moore. Zach, I'm not finding this question in the questions thread. Did you make this question up? Hmm? I did not make this up. Yeah, halfway down the first page, I think. 
I still don't see it. Am I going right past it? Because I just wanted to say we appreciate that question from Zero Cat. But I'm not sure Zero Cat's available. I was going to go check, but I know I can't find this person at all. I think Zach made it up. I did not make it up. I think Zach clearly made it up. There's Contra, yeah. there's K, there's Wildcat. Question fraud. Question fraud. Exactly. <laughs> Exhausted, email, parking, email. Kid. Wait, no, it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gone. Mm-hmm. We're going to call this Zach Gate, Question Gate. Mm-hmm. It's truly gone. Um, it's gone. Well, we're going to get to the bottom of this with an internal investigation. Oh, oh, here. oh, no, they did choose a name. They have, they have changed a name. They have, they are now Persona Cat. Oh, I wow. like that name. Wow. They changed, they, between us, between me picking the questions and us starting the recording of the podcast, they have chosen Persona Cat as their persona. I like it. There we go. <laughs> I like Zero Cat better, but that's okay. You're off the hook. That's it for the first half of the Power Cat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk a whole lot more right after this short break. The Power Cat Podcast will be right back. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you support all those businesses, all Manhattan businesses when you come to town, but make sure you stop into the Fridge and Tanners and High Low. Put them on your list of places that you'd like to visit when you're visiting town. Very important to us, very important to them. And I salute all the small businesses here in town that are fighting tooth and nail to stay in business during these times. Um, it's it's not easy out there, and I appreciate their support of us. Guys, um, I want people to subscribe to the PowerCat podcast. Is there a way I can force them to do it, like trick them, like, uh, like the uh, voter fraud alternative but about the podcast like here you check this box right here and you get a million dollars from a nigerian prince but instead you're actually getting the power cat podcast is that feasible no, no i don't think that's feasible so i probably just ask you just ask nicely folks i'd really 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 like you to subscribe to the power cat podcast if you're on apple it's real easy if you're not an apple person that's okay i wasn't for a while I'm reformed now, but uh, you can get, you know, Spotify. That's Zach's favorite. Or you can go to something like Stitcher, which hardly anyone does anymore. Podbean. I don't know what else. Anyhow, uh, subscribe. It's free. Get the podcast to your devices every day because they're coming every day. And then while you're subscribing to stuff, go ahead and grab 50% off a GoPowerCat subscription. Just do it. Don't think about it. Don't ask the wife. Don't. No. Or don't ask the husband if you're the wife. Or if you're the wife and you have a wife. That got very confusing. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Don't ask the uh, spouse. There we go. There we go. Just do it. Someone should use that as their catchphrase. Just do it. Huh. Hmm. Huh. A little like it was swoosh or something. Okay. Anyhow, here's your questions from Wabash Station. Uh, I hope nobody else has changed their name between copying <laughs> the questions and asking the questions. I'm old, and it confuses me. Gills, take over. First question of the second half from Emarica. Does Philip Brooks end up with four or more kick returns this season, matching or surpassing Youngblood's total from last season? I wonder if you'll all have him take over kickoff returns. Now, be out there. Anyhow. Who's, who's currently out there? Knowles. Is he not? I think. I, mean, I, think, I know Knowles is out there. I think they're both out there, right? Yeah, but there's a primary returner. I think it's Knowles. Okay. Like the other guy, they put the primary guy where it's being kicked. Anyhow, uh, I would say no, because kickoffs are hard to keep away from someone. Punts are easier. I mean, punts you can kick it out of bounds. Punts you can kick it away. Um, I don't think you'll have that many good chances. 
Now, I'll change my mind if he has another one at West Virginia. But I, I think he's going to not see many clean returns in the near future. We'll see how K-State handles that. I would have thought the same last year with Josh Youngblood, but we look look and see what happened there. So yeah, kickoffs, you kick him out of bounds, take it at the thirty five, and if you're not don't have a big enough leg to kick it through the end zone, which and a lot of college kickers don't, then you kinda gotta go cover a return. I mean and plus, honestly, coverage units, uh particularly on kickoffs, aren't as good as they used to be because so many teams just fair catch. They just don't pay attention to the details as much. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Can you hear it? I, yeah, I hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been all day. I don't know what's into him. Maybe it's the cold weather. I say he. I think he ends up with at least four. I think he'll, he'll whether it's kickoff or punts. Let's just let's just call them all returns. You know, a return's a return. It was it was off of some sort of kick. I think that between a kickoff and a punt, I think he can do it two more times, and I feel pretty confident saying that he can and that he will. Um, you know. Like we saw from KU the second time, people screw up. You know, it seems like it should be easy to kick something out of bounds or kick it through the back of the end zone. You know, don't give a shot to somebody who's dangerous. I, th- I think he's going to do it again. We stop this podcast for a very important announcement. I have received yet another unsolicited text message from a political candidate. Back to the podcast. This should be illegal. <laughs> what? I'm on a no calls. Uh, oh my god! Well, I'm getting ones from people that I can't even vote for. Well, that's weird. Like, is Ryan Gilbert sending you text to vote for him, and he's not even on the ballot? I mean, I'm getting texts from people that reside in Ryan Gilbert's uh, jurisdiction. Oh, oh for, boy, you guys are on to me for that. I don't even. Race. Yeah, okay. I don't even know what congressional race it is, but jeez. Like I and like you, you can't even text them saying, "Hey, I don't live." Like I can't vote for this guy, outside of his district. No, you can only send unsubscribe, but then they'll just use a different phone number, and it doesn't matter. Very dirty. Hate it. Yep. Speaking of dirty, back to Gills. Well, how many is he at two right now? Does he have any more than that? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's tough. That's very tough. I'll take the under. Yeah, people are going to be real careful with him, and we only have 10 games this season. Guys, the season's half over. It's so weird. So weird. Next question from Adam K 63 Do you believe that Klanderman has gained more confidence in calling the, the defense as the season has progressed? Well, I have no doubt. I mean, he may not admit it, but I asked him kind of about that a couple weeks ago, and he gave me a good answer, but... You're not going to admit, yeah, I was really nervous and we lost the game. Um, so I just think there's no way any job that you do, anything, when it's new and then a month later, you know what the hell's going on, you know, a lot better. I, I still don't know what's going on with this job, but I imagine at some point I'll get used to this job and figure it out. It's only been 20 plus years. See, I think for Klanderman coming in, you know, he had the experience of Justin Hughes coming back along with Elijah Sullivan together, you know, a couple old guys, you know, that, you know, good, you know, middle pieces of that defense that can kind of, you know, be the glue for everything. Plus throw in Wyatt Hubert, you know, you have three solid guys um, to kind of build off of, you know, you have that bad first game, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, pieces that were out for, you know, COVID quarantine injury, you know, whatever it is, it's been a lot of moving pieces in the secondary so far with injuries. Um, but K-State still found a way to find guys to, you know, that, that come out and perform. So, you know, whether, you know, Joe Klanderman's the coordinator or not, you kind of love and have some confidence in the group that you have that you can call on pretty much anybody and the quality isn't going to change much. You know, they've played well with, you know, putting in some guys that don't have a lot of experience in that secondary and they've been able to succeed. So, you know, I think just going from game to game and, you know, now that we're five games in halfway through the season, seeing what we've seen, I think, you know, you got to be confident. You got to be more confident in what, what you've been putting out there. And, and now you can, you know, who you can rely on going forward, you know, in the event of more injuries and, 
you know, if you have to change things up. So you've had, you know, you've gone pretty deep into that, that depth chart so far. Um, and you're, you're in the middle of a four game winning streak. So, you know, it, it's, you gotta be excited about it. Next question from wildcat pilot 88 halfway through the season. What's your predictions for how the teams finish the regular season uh, conference slate um, first through 10th, which two teams play for the conference championship and which team do you predict ultimately wins it? Man, I think that the four teams that could play in the championship game are Oklahoma State, Iowa State, K-State, and Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I think that those four are the only ones that you can consider. And I think Oklahoma will probably be a two-loss team. So if K-State, if, sorry. They already are. That's what I mean. I I don't think they are going to lose. Okay, so they're not going to become a three-loss team. So I think, I think that, Maybe, I mean, between Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, regardless, what I, what I was trying to get at was I don't think that they are going to overtake the tiebreaker or it is very unlikely they will overtake the tiebreaker on either Iowa State or Kansas State. Right. I think that, you know, being essentially three games up for both of those teams, well, not right now with Iowa State's lost Oklahoma State, but at least for K-State, you know, they have a three-game lead on Oklahoma, uh, on OU. So it's going to be tough, and there's going to be need to be some losses from from K State for OU to even have a shot at getting up there at this point. I would think that the easier path for OU would be K State beats Oklahoma State, they beat Oklahoma State, and then they have the tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, for I think for for OU, I think OU has to cheer for K State to be the the one seed mm-hmm. and, and they get- be the quote unquote conference champion before a, a championship game. Right if OU wants to get into the game. So um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think Oklahoma State's still in the driver's seat at this point until, I mean, until after the Oklahoma State, K-State game, you know, it's going to be tough to see. You know, after that, if if K-State and Iowa State both lose to Oklahoma State, it's clear that OSU's the favorite, and they need both Iowa State and K-State need to cheer for OSU to just win out. You know, somebody needs to be nine and zero for you know between one of those teams. Um, but yeah, you throw an OU if OU can beat Oklahoma State. You know, it gets kind of dicey there. But I think those are your top four teams. KU is going to be last. Texas Tech's probably going to be ninth. West Virginia, Texas, Baylor are probably going to be sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yeah. Uh, maybe TCU in there. Yeah, that, this Baylor TCU game is kind of big. Yeah, this weekend I I'm want to see them and be able to compare the two. And I I don't know who what, who would I leave out for fifth? Am I missing a team for fifth? Mm, you are. I am. I don't know. I I already said Texas TCU Baylor Texas Tech. Maybe West I did Virginia. miss one of those. Well, I put West Virginia in the. Six through eight. Yep. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I don't. I think that you're going to see some interchanging between those teams. But I mean, I think your top four are pretty set in stone at this point. And I feel pretty confident about who those might be. I'll I'll challenge you on that. Um, I think Texas has at least a chance. As much as I hate to say that, um, you know, they still got K State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State left on the board. So. They had a pretty convincing win over Baylor. I know Baylor's a bottom half team. We learned that on on Saturday, but um, you know they've got a chance to compete. I'm not saying they're going to win those games, but uh, you know you've got the three as of now, kind of the three best teams still up on your plate. So I I, I, I don't want to say they're a good team, but I think they kind of proved a point that that you know they had a close game against Oklahoma, had a bye week, came back, and then you know pretty pretty much handled Baylor. So. I think it's kind of the top half. Texas is kind of in there. And then the bottom half is, you know, the other five teams that you mentioned, I think TC is leading that group. But after that, it's, you know, the big 12 is kind of down this year. I think we learned Baylor, West Virginia, Texas tech, you know, these teams are really not that good. I thought we had, you know, there was a chance they could compete, but uh, you know, I think there's kind of tier one, Oklahoma state tier two, you got K state, in, in Iowa State sitting there, and then you've got tier three with Oklahoma and, T- and Texas, pardon me. So, you know, 
I, I, I don't think Texas is going to do it, but I think it's we shouldn't just overlook them because that's a team that could beat Kansas State, and that's a team that could get a you know a crazy miraculous win. I know ESPN's matchup predictor you know actually has Texas beating Oklahoma State on Saturday, which is ridiculous, but you know maybe that computer system sees something that we don't. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I think Oklahoma State's running away with this conference, no doubt about it. They're number one, and they're a, a lot better in you know pretty much all phases of the game maybe not special teams than than Iowa State and Kansas State but you know I think it, it's Oklahoma State they're going to be first they're going to be in the conference title game and they're going to be um, ultimately champions when it's all said and done but I, I just Texas is not a team who I anticipate to win those games against the top three teams but they've, they've got a chance I wouldn't write them off just you know quite yet just just like we talked about with OU, you know, they've already lost two games. They have an easy season or, you know, easy rest of the season, really, at least on paper, as far as schedule goes and strength of schedule goes. Uh, but Texas, they've already lost to OU and they're already equal mm-hmm. to OU's record. They're going to have to yeah. jump over OU. I mean, yes, maybe mathematically, Texas still has a chance, but they still got to play K-State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. They have a tough schedule. Yeah, those are to tough games, but to the rest of the guys. They tiebreakers don't look good for them right now because they've already lost to K State and Iowa State. So Texas does have it in their hands. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I think if you're not oh. looking at dudes left on the schedule as far as a good or a bad team goes, but you know, as far as just how the numbers work out, I would I would think that Texas has a better chance to make the title game just based off of how the tiebreakers still work, not yeah. assuming. Uh-huh anything about how good or bad their opponents are in regards to Texas, Oklahoma. It's a great point. I guess. I mean, Oklahoma's already lost a tiebreaker to the two of the three teams in that trio and, and Texas hasn't played them so they can get on top of that tiebreaker. For example, yeah, if they come maybe. into Manhattan to close the season and win the game and give K state a second loss. They own the tiebreaker over K state if they've gone unbeaten. So yeah, well, I don't think they will, but I get yeah. your point. I think it's just it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. And and like we've talked about in the past, that K State Texas game in December, I I don't think anybody feels comfortable saying that Texas is going to come in and and win that. You know, warm weather teams don't do well in nope. November or December in Manhattan or even Ames. You know, I don't know when when or where that Texas Iowa State game is going to be, but I just think that. I think Texas schedule is too hard and the number of losses they've already had, just the fact that it really isn't in their hands at this point, they do need help to get there and they're going to need more help than, you know, the fact that, Oh, they've already lost the tiebreaker to OU. I think they're going to need some more help than, than what is in their control at this point. And that's why I feel comfortable counting them out. Next question from I like pickles cat. What are your thoughts on this basketball schedule? and a couple of expectations for the season. I don't have any expectations for the season. I'm just going to be really honest. This team's not going to be good, but it's going to be young. And I, I just want to see signs of progress as the season goes on. I want to see signs of hope that there's some playmakers on there. So, you know, somebody that can be a star or, or two. Um, the schedule's bad, but I don't know what else you're going to get from the schedule this year. I mean, we're, we're not even going to be in the conversation. We're not going to be having conversations on this podcast about being on the bubble. I don't see any way K-State's ever going to be in consideration for the NCAA tournament this year. I just don't think they have the guys to do it when they're this young. Maybe they'll mature into that. Just go get your wins where you can get your wins. Build some confidence. Um, you know, Don't go play a challenging non-conference schedule and get their teeth kicked in all year long. Give them some games to win. It's just a weird, weird year, and uh, just let this play out. Who knows? Maybe they'll catch some breaks with illnesses or whatever. I think this is going to be a really herky-jerky basketball season. As people have pointed out, football is one thing. You have massive rosters. Ten guys can be out with COVID, and you can play. Basketball, you lose a couple guys – particularly starters, that changes your team dramatically very quickly and for a prolonged period of time. Maybe five or six games it's that way. So this is going to be a weird year. Take what you can get. Take it for what it is. Um, And uh, I just don't – 
know how, how anyone could expect much of anything out of this season other than hope. Yeah, I mean, there's a nice little cushion there at the end of February. Well, not the end of February, but early March that they have some time to make up some games. So, you know, that, that's one thing that sticks out for me. I think that they are anticipating, you know, some games probably needing to be rescheduled and moved. Um, but yeah, I just, I hope the guys have fun. I mean, it, it sucks to say, but just go out there, have fun, build some chemistry. It's not going to be about this year. It's going to be a weird year, but these guys need to get some experience, gel together, grow together. Um, and then hopefully once the stuff is back to normal, you know, next year, two years from now, you know, these guys can roll, but I, this team's not, at least from, you know, what we can see, team shouldn't be competing for the NCAA tournament this year. And if you expect an NCAA tournament bid this year, I would strongly urge you to reconsider your expectations because it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It will be. It really will be. We'll just see what they can make of it. I'm not sure, but I hope they have ice cream after games. That's always nice for a young team. Or slushies. Gills, when you played ball, did you like a, a slushy, uh, you know, something frozen like that or some ice cream? Or or being Johnson County, uh, you had to have a yogurt. Uh, you know what? You can't go wrong with like a Sonic slushy or something yeah. after after a game. Yeah, Sonic's a pretty good place to take the team. I hope Bruce Weber considers that. It's Vista in Manhattan. That's where we always yeah, went. That's true. That's true. Get that ice cream there. Mm. Big decisions. I don't know. I, I'm actually kind of excited about basketball because I want to see what's there. I wasn't very excited last year. I, I didn't think they had a lead guy. I didn't think the guys that were returning were really able to rise up to that role, and it was right. Um, the young guys were good but not great. So let's see what they've got this year. Let's see. With regards to the schedule, I don't, I mean, there's not much to point out there, especially with the Big 12. You play everyone twice, so I don't have much of a comment on that. But um, you look at the team, and I think this kind of, it kind of worked out well with the pandemic going on. Uh, you just imagine, guys, if this was going on, you know, in the 2019 season with, you know, a team led by Barry Cam and Dean. I mean, it wouldn't be the same. So this is kind of year two of the rebuild that, I guess it could be year one because they didn't really make any progress from last year. I mean, Antonio really didn't impress. I know there's a lot of hype around Dejuan's name, but I, I, I still want to see more out of him. And then Montavious Murphy was just banged up. So, you know, this is the start of it all again here. So, you know, I mean, what better time during a pandemic where everything's just, you know, crazy and weird. You talked about it fits the other team, you know, positive tests. You never know what's going to happen. So, you know, go out and play ball, have fun. And, you know, we'll just kind of evaluate what we see and just go from there. So I'm not expecting anything either, but uh, just seeing, you know, which, um, you know, which freshman or newcomer can kind of give us some, uh, you know, some positive vibes, so to speak, and some, you know, momentum heading into the next season, assuming everything, you know, can be actually normal uh, moving forward. So, you, you know, obviously a weird season, but uh, just go out and go out and play and, 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 Give yourself valuable experience and don't break your foot. Oh, that's for me, isn't it? <laughs> um, what I don't get is you have this these teams coming in for this tournament, and you're going to play Colorado and Drake, Drake and then Colorado, and South Dakota State's coming in also. But you don't play them. I don't get that. Why, why didn't either they go ahead and just everyone plays everyone, right? I mean, so yeah. – you know, you get in the third game. Or why didn't you just have San Diego State, San Diego State, South Dakota State, hang around afterwards and play them, the, I think this event's on Wednesday, Friday, and play them on Saturday or Sunday or Monday or whatever. They have UMKC, I think, on that Monday. I mean, why do you bring a team to town and then don't play them? It didn't, it, it that makes, doesn't make sense to me. They're here. You had problems scheduling games. They're here. Just go ahead and play him. I, I don't know if it's how the waivers work with these tournaments or what, but um, it just seems like if you're going to do this, you might as well have had it like a little bubble event and maybe gone Wednesday night, Friday day with the games and Saturday night and get out of here. 
But, you know, I, I know it all. And that's the problem. Nobody listens. I just know everything. See, nobody listens. Next question from KSU number one. Cincinnati goes undefeated for the rest of the year and a Pac-12 school goes undefeated. Who gets the last spot in the playoff, in your opinion? Well, it depends well, who on are the, the Pac-12 who team. Who are the first three spots? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, I saw that Brent McMurphy has uh, Oregon in uh, the, into the playoff, which is great. Oregon hasn't played a damn game yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I That's what I want to happen. I want Cincinnati to go unbeaten. I want, you know, I want a little chaos in my life here. Let's get a bunch of teams unbeaten. Maybe Oklahoma State's unbeaten. They try to leave out Oklahoma State. I don't know. It's, teams aren't going to be unbeaten. You've got to be extremely well coached and talented to get through this season and deep. Alabama might do that. Ohio State might do that. Clemson might do that. But I don't know that anyone else is going to pull off that feat. It's, it's a weird year. Wisconsin's supposed to be pretty good. They may not even play Nebraska this weekend. Or if they do, they'll be on their third or fourth string quarterback because of COVID. It's a weird year. And I just kind of laugh when they're putting these teams in without playing. It's like, what, do you think they're not going to suffer the chaos that everyone else is going through? Yeah, of course they are, particularly these teams. I mean, what happens if an Oregon goes undefeated but doesn't play two of their games? So they're 5-0. and What do you do with them? You can't, surely you they don't should. put them in the playoff. No, you can't. The, I think what should have happened, you know, early on, I think the college football playoff should have come out and said, if you do not play X amount of games, you are not championship eligible in a discussion, okay. whether that's eight games, you know, whatever. They should have came out and said, hey, this is the bare minimum that you have to do if you want to be in even consideration. Not that we're going to put you in, just to be considered. And I think the fact that the, the Big Ten – and the Pac-12 are probably not going to get to, I don't even, the Pac-12 is what, seven games? Is the Big Ten eight games? I don't know how many games the Big Ten's playing. I think eight, yeah. I mean, there needs to be a minimum game, minimum number of games here. And I think that the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC, and even the American here, and if you want to say Sunbelt, whoever, whoever started at the by the end of September, those should be your championship-eligible teams. Look at BYU. They're undefeated. Mm-hmm. Why not them? They're independent. Notre Dame's independent, but they're technically an ACC school this year. You know, I'd there's... love it. I'd love to have like seven unbeaten teams. Figure it out. There should. There's no way, absolutely no way, that a five and zero Oregon team or whoever they are it doesn't matter who they are. A five and zero team compared to a nine and one team should not get in I to agree. the playoff. Easiest way not to lose is not to play. So if you can't play your games, I don't see how you can claim that you're a great team. Yeah. I mean, I, I part of me wishes the committee would be coming out right now with rankings. You know, mm-hmm. right now or next week, say, hey, this is you know, this is our championship rankings. You know, and guess what? Michigan's played one game, have they? And Ohio State's played one game. Do they pass the eye test? No, you can't pass the eye test with one game. Are you kidding me? Penn State just lost to Indiana, too. There's going to be so much chaos, I think, this late in the, in the Big Ten that even if you do consider, you know, an eight-game season, a full season for the playoff, if Ohio State loses a game and they're 7-1, and one, that's going to be tough to try putting them in against a team that's 9-1 and one or even, you know, 10-0, and oh, whoever's undefeated. You know? It, I agree. You know what your catchphrase should be? It's going to be tough. Your catchphrase should be, come on, man. That could be a new catchphrase. I don't think anyone else has used it. Come on, man. I don't know. who Between Cincinnati or whoever the Pac-12 school is, yeah, you're, you go with Cincinnati because they played their full season. They had a more complete body of work. You don't just get a complete half of your assignment for homework and turn it in and say, hey, I got all the ones I got right, right? I just didn't I only answer half the question. I, I didn't answer all of them, but I got the ones I know right. So I went undefeated. That's a perfect. No, it's not. I would just love to see the, neither the Big Ten or the Pac-12 get in just for the fact that they tried to, you know, be the conferences. I guess the Big, you know, because the Pac-12 was following the Big Ten. So, you know, to, to be the conferences that tried to lead the Pac and then they ended up being wrong and, 
they just wanted to be the you know the first person to, to do what everyone else did and then they were wrong clearly wrong um and i would just love to i know i'm kind of mean for you know saying this but see them you know suffer for for that mistake they made you know and i agree with you you totally zach that you know you don't play all the all the games and why are you going to punish k-state you know if they run the table they go nine and oh and they you know play a non-con game that if you know ohio state goes undefeated they didn't even do that at all so you know i'm i but I hate. I will hate to see it if any team from the Big Ten or the Pac-12 gets in. Um, I, I mean, I I get it. Ohio State's probably better than any team in the Big 12. You know, I, I I fully get that. It's just it's really frustrating to see. You know, it's been what a month and a half until they they finally started playing football while we were. You know, the Big 12 was busting their tails off week in and week out. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, when when do the rankings even come out? Do you know? I, no I don't even know. It might be. I think they might have delayed it even until uh, December. Gotcha. Well, we'll find out. They might they might let the Big Ten actually play some games here, but at some point the Big Ten's going to get punished, or they better get punished for waiting this long because once they're canceling games, they didn't build in enough of a cushion for them to complete games that they need to reschedule. So, mm-hmm. essentially, I mean, I mean, if Wisconsin Nebraska gets called off, sorry, tough luck. You know that's. You don't get a play. You did it to yourselves. That's a, you know, I think the Big 12 did a good job with basketball. You've got two weeks, I think, after conference play before you head off to Kansas City. I mean, um, I think that's a really good number. I know there, some people said it shouldn't be that long, but when you, when you think about, you know, what can happen if there is any little outbreak, you know, in basketball, you've got two games per week. So if something like that does happen, then boom, you are, like you said, Fitz, that's four or five games wiped off the schedule. Um, so uh, the big 12 has done well, not only with, with football and I know you guys are, you know, Fitz, you're, you're not a fan of how they, they handled things, but things have gone well here with football. Um, and I think they did a good job with that basketball. Like we were talking about that, that schedule as well. What I'm hopeful for on the basketball schedule is that if there is a team that is completely toast, or if there's two teams that are toast for two weeks, uh, the teams that they would have been playing, they just need to play. You move those games up the schedule and just play and try completing as many games early as possible. And just, you know, it's not like it's, it's hard to, you know, move up a charter flight and, you know, get around the country or, you know, even, you know, if it's not West Virginia, you know, bust Iowa state or wherever, you know, whatever teams that are, are, you know, still alive um, or still capable of playing so that you're not, you know, that you're limiting, you know, the number of teams that are off that are just, you know, they weren't quarantined or anything. They're just, their opponent is quarantined and they can't play. So if it gets to that, I hope that they move some games around and move them up and, and try getting as many games played under their belt before you hit that March window of, of rescheduled at reschedules. I'm really surprised that the big 12 or someone didn't look at a bubble approach for at least some of the games. You know, let's make sure we get yeah. in X number of games, and we're gonna all go to Kansas City for two weeks. Guys will have to do remote classes, and we're gonna get in six of our eighteen games right there. You know, I'm just really surprised they're not doing some of that. Um, I think there's non-conference bubbles out there where they're gonna, you know, go to a place and play a bunch of non-conference games. But or another another solution to that would be at the end of the. You know, end of February, I think February 27th was the last scheduled game. You know, that would be 18. If there's games to play, you still have those two weeks in Kansas City. Just go to Kansas City and finish out your regular season in, the, in a bubble there, play your tournament, and you're good to go. So that would also work out too, I guess, yeah. if, if that if that's something they want to do and they've looked at. But you could probably play five games between beginning of March and the tournament if you really had to. Let me ask you a scientific question, Zach, because you're our science expert. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is the KC Power and Light, KC Live District considered part of a bubble? It's kind of got that cover over the top. So if I go there, am I protected from COVID? No. Okay. You are not protected from COVID, but. I don't understand bubbles at all. It does. It does. It does have a kind of a bubble feel. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. Bubble. Good now, job. Now Fitz. we go back to Ryan Gilbert in his own little bubble, a padded room. 
it, one more little bubble I was reading up on was um, it's basically you have like a back-to-back game. It's you know you probably wouldn't play it the same day, but maybe you play it a day later or two days later. Um, I know that creates a pretty you know that's kind of unfair for you know the team on the road. But you know if you just you know you have Iowa State come into town on a Saturday and then they play another game on Monday. I mean you're cutting your travel down in half. So like you're, it's a 50% reduction in all of the risks with traveling and, you know, each team coming into contact with the other. So obviously the, I think it's a little too unfair to do, but if, if things get to maybe that point, I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea where you just say, Hey, you're going to play, you know, when the, when you play this team, you're going to play them back to back. And then that's it to really reduce the spread. We'll see. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but certainly is an idea that I would, not be against if it if it has to happen. It's what like what they did doing. with volleyball. Yeah, volleyball's doing that this year. Yeah. It's really interesting because they only have nine teams. Oklahoma State doesn't have a volleyball program. Um, what seems weird. But weird. Uh, uh, yeah, so they I, only have like eight opponents. So yeah. it divides four and four. But, yeah, they're coming in and playing back-to-back matches. It's pretty smart. It back-to-back really, match, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll go uh, okay. Friday, Saturday or, you know, whatever, like afternoon, evening. Yeah, it's it's a good idea, and yeah. you know there's limited crowds, so it didn't really affect the the fans that much. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad idea, Gills. Just pull them out of a hat, decide who who's playing where. It makes it tough on you, but if if the crowds are limited, it really does water down the home court advantage. I mean, it sucks that Allen Fieldhouse is going to have 1,500 fans. I'm sorry if that you know offends K Staters, but that is a cool venue, um, and it you know it it sucks that. Bill Snyder Family Stadium has 20, 25% capacity. It's a cool football venue. This year, just, it is what it is. Let's get through it and play. And I'm with you, Gills. Just play as many games as you can. Whether you play them in, you know, two in Lawrence or you do just meet in a neutral city and go, you know, play some games in Kansas City, Oklahoma City, whatever, you know. The Topeka Expo Center. What does it matter? What does it matter? It really doesn't matter. If you don't have a big crowd. I mean, literally, it doesn't matter. It'd be crazy to have two KUK State games in either Manhattan or Lawrence back to back. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how advantageous advantageous that would be for for either team. I'm not sure you'd have to do that series that way. I mean, you're bust back and forth. Some of them for sure. Let's get this podcast done. (laughs) It's getting long. Yeah, one more question. Okay. Long and hard out here. Last question from. <laughs> well, okay. Um, Beefy Panda, who is a new member to the site. So I don't welcome. know if they're new. Maybe I put new, a question mark new. there. Maybe new. I don't remember What's ever saying that name. Beefy Panda. Beefy Panda. I like that name. Yeah. You probably gave him that name, didn't you? No, that's a quality name. Well, they only had 12 posts, so I didn't go through the post history to see okay. if they asked a question, but but welcome if not. And nonetheless, thank you so much for this amazing question, which is with the progress the team is making, is it a realist, Is it a realistic um, to start thinking the next two to four years we make the college football playoff? Oh, I don't know if it's realistic, but go ahead and think it. I, you know, I mean, I'm not going to write, put too much into this season. Win or, win or lose. You know, when after one game and I thought they were going to go one and nine this season, I wasn't going to be that worried about it. It's just a weird year. Now, the upside for programs like K-State and honestly KU is you do get all these kids back. If you're trying to build up a bunch of experience and you're playing some young guys like K-State is, this is really an advantage here to get all these freshmen back as freshmen and uh, have them around for a number of years. If if you got – crappy players you don't want them around for a number of years but these guys appear to be legit so k-state's recruiting continues to get better and they supplement these guys i do think k-state will be contending for big 12 titles which then gets you into that discussion at least yeah i think in the next two to four years i think k-state will be in a championship game at least one at least once i mean can't even count out this year they could make it this year really good i mean they're technically in the driver's seat right now so you know, you may not have to wait two to four years to get into that potential college football playoff discussion. Um, but I think it's really fair to think in four years that you're going to be one of the eight teams that gets to play in a Big 12 championship game. And I think 
I would, I would probably put the over under at one and a half. I think that there's a chance they could get to two in the next four years. So um, we'll have to see, but I, I think it's, you know, if you want to get to that college football playoff, you know, I think the building block is getting that championship game and you're going to have to win it. But I think that, you know, whether or not, you know, K-State is the, the number two seed in either, either of those, um, just being able to compete for a championship is, it will be good for K-State. And I think that that's absolutely realistic. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate you listening. Uh, if you made it through, remember, 50% off a subscription right now at gopowercat.com. And make sure if you come to town, maybe next week for the Oklahoma State game, you stop by the fridge or Tanner's or the High Low. Support the people that support the podcast and make it free for you. I'm Fitz, and we will be back with a pregame podcast in about 24 hours. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Thank you.